So you've got your 18, uh, your 18 message on there because tonight it won't be pretty. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Red and Blue Review. My name is Nick Philpot. For those of you who don't know who we are, we are the Red and Blue Review. We've been on your... Uh, joining you on your sofas on Sunday nights now for years and years and years. I'm delighted with the team I've got in front of me because there will be gloves off, no holds barred, okay, and it will be honest and factual information. Uh, we are the only podcast you can watch. Look at this lot. Look at this lot here. Uh, I am absolutely delighted to welcome my wingman, as always, Joe Lord Holyoke. How you doing, mate? Stressed. Stressed, yeah. The same as us, yeah. It's going to be a difficult one, mate. It's going to be a difficult one. Ken, are you going to be able to cope without any swearing? I don't think it's going to be difficult. I think it's just... Let's just do it. Let's just do it. Fergus Tid, welcome back, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Nick. Apart from uh, all the shenanigans going on at Palace. But yeah. Yeah, We're going to go get into it in a great way this evening. And most importantly of all, I, and there is a reason why I say that. Ian Noble, welcome back, mate. How are you feeling? I'm feeling all right, mate. Yeah, not so bad, about 95%. So, uh, yeah, good And evening. I have to say, <laughs> Ian, massive, massive congratulations on your debut appearance on BT Sport yesterday. I watched that interview from cover to cover. I thought it was factual, knowledgeable. Um, I can see why they chose you over Jill, okay, um, and me. And honestly, well, yeah, I was working. <laughs> Yeah. I thought looks, like I was doing, looks like I was doing karaoke there, doesn't it? <laughs> Mate, I thought you did a crap. To be job. fair, to be fair, um, Lucy Ward made it easy. Um, she told me beforehand what she was going to ask me. Um, but obviously, you still need to be ready with the answers. So, uh, yeah, it's quite an enjoyable experience. So, uh, yeah, pleased to represent the Red and Blue Review podcast. Made sure I got that in there. And... Um, yeah, my phone went into meltdown afterwards as people were sending me links. But there we are. But mate, I'll tell you now, it was good. It was, you know, and the fact that they came to little old red and blue review over the other two lots, okay, speaks volumes for, and the fact that they actually singled you out as well. So I think it speaks volumes for the podcast and it speaks volumes for you. Congratulations, mate. No worries. No worries. Um, ladies and gentlemen out of Facebook land, we are going to be covering... All the usual stuff, okay. Uh, we will touch on the Everton debacle. We will charge up and touch on the Arsenal debacle. But, of course, you know that uh, we've got more topics than that to cover this evening, and we will get into them. Um, I want to talk very quickly, boys, if you don't mind, a bit of self-indulgence, if you don't mind. I want to talk to you. Uh, thank you to each every one of you that helped with Holly's uh, funeral arrangements. We're still collecting for Holly's funeral arrangements, even though the funeral was on Tuesday and it was a pleasure to be there. Okay, it was a great send off. But just what we're doing now for uh, the Sheffield United game is we are going to be collecting in the fan zone, just helping the parents a little bit, okay, who are short of money. Um, the uh, mobility company have now removed their vehicle, okay, because obviously the passing of Holly, they no longer need a mobility. Uh, uh, vehicle. So we are still helping with that. Uh, we covered the whole cost of the funeral and the burial. So, and uh, I saw uh, you may well have seen on social media, Claire actually posted a video uh, of the beautiful horse drawn carriage and whites 
uh, white carriage and white horses that you guys have all contributed to. So I thank each and every one of you. Uh, I spent good time with Claire as well the other day. She is getting there. She's still struggling. Of course she is. You never. How can you ever reconcile something like that? I don't think you ever can. Uh, she is also receiving professional help, which I think is absolutely essential. And that goes out to each and every one of you. If any of you are in a similar sort of position to Claire or you've got mental health issues of any description, please seek medical help, okay? Please seek professional help. You know, we're always here to speak to anybody if anybody needs that help, but we're not professionals. We're just guys that love our football club, warts and all. Get yourself some professional help. So thank you for that. Um, Right, so where should we start? Um, I want to start, before we get into the Everton game, we will touch on the Everton game. Uh, Nigel, if you don't mind, I'd like to touch on what I witnessed at the Emirates yesterday. Now, uh, this is nothing to do with the game. This is pre-game. This is uh, the HF and all that. Okay, now you know that, um, boys, you know that I've been their biggest critic over the years, okay? And I think what they do... Uh, sometimes bring shame on the club. They didn't do anything wrong yesterday. Let me make that perfectly clear right from the start. When I entered the ground, I saw a tactical support unit parked outside with uh, 20 coppers in it and three other white vans full of coppers all packed to the rafters. Now, these coppers out in the vans as I approached the stadium and they were marching Okay, it was like a military maneuver marked into the stadium. Now, by the time I'd peed about getting my ticket sorted out and scanned and gone in, met my son, okay, grabbed a pint, okay, it had all kicked off inside the stadium, okay, and all I saw because my ticket happened to be adjacent to where they were standing, it was all I got from other supporters, not HF, Palace fans, were overkill, 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 overkill by the police. Ian, I understand that you actually saw saw firsthand what I only saw the remnants of. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, I don't know, half an hour before kickoff, something like that, maybe a little bit longer. But suddenly, you know, the, the half the Met Police, it seemed, descending on the HF. Um, they came in on block, you know, to where their seats were, put their their banner up and um and then the the police just arrived with all their yellow jackets and it it looked from where i was standing completely over the top you know you thought someone had done something terribly wrong and um you know they were trying to single somebody out but they were they did grab hold of two or three of them i don't know whether they actually um ejected anyone from the ground um but apparently they were just after the drum and the irony is that the Ashburton lot, whatever they're called, the Arsenal fans, who are also in our end, they had a drum and they were bagging it the whole game. So how they can have one rule for one set of fans and another rule for the home fans is is, is quite beyond me. So, um, you know, the HF have had their critics. They've also done a lot of good for our club. But I don't. I think the, the reaction by the police yesterday was completely over the top and, and unnecessary. And it just provokes more aggravation, really. You're muted, Nicholas. You're quite right. Thank you, Ian, for that. I'm very grateful for that because, yeah, as John John just said on there, 72 coppers to remove one drum. Absolute overkill. Jill, you wanted to make a point? I did, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's a shame, really, that, that they did that because they won't. the old bill won't come round to, you, to your grand's house if she gets burgled, but they'll... 
there'll send 50 of their pals around to take a drum off someone in a football ground um, where there's 60,000 people making their noise. It pretty much sums up the state of the Met, I think, at the moment. Say again, mate. That's what it is. They've got to get their quotes from arrests. Easy yeah, pickings, but... isn't it, at a football match? Yeah, and and the point that I wanted to make, and Ian made it quite so eloquently, is you know it literally was twenty five yards away. One of their guys had a, had a drum, and there was I don't know thirty odd flags around the stadium. You know exactly what they were pulling the HF lads for. So HF lads, yeah, you know that we haven't always, uh, or me particularly, hasn't always been positive about you, but I'm positive about you tonight. You sung well yesterday. You backed the team. Okay, we'll come on to the demonstration later on in the show. Of course, we will. So, well done. Okay, you did nothing wrong. And Red and Blue Review are right up behind you. Guys, I also want to start the show if you're in. Yeah, I mean, can I just add there, Nick? Um, I, I sort of agree with most of what you say there about the HF, but I don't think the flares were necessary at the beginning. Um, we talked about this pre-show. You know, they were just trying to show who was boss, I suppose, with the flares, uh, the red and blue flares. And... You know, it didn't affect me. I'm okay with it. But some people suffer from asthma. And that smoke was pretty thick and pretty sort of toxic, not very pleasant at all. And I think, Ferg, you mentioned uh, pre-show that they said on the commentary on TNT Sport that the pitch was shrouded in this this smoke just as the game kicked off. wasn't pleasant at all, unnecessary. Um, and I just think that that's not needed. But... I can see, I suppose, why they think they need to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, they were quick to to mention the fact that it was the Palace fans that instigated it. So, of course they were, because they're playing a top, you know, a top tier club. Of course they are. I'm just going to cough. Excuse me, boys. Yeah, yeah. Yasmin, Yasmin said there that Alison her had to, um, you know, use their inhalers once they'd done that. So that's that's the kind of thing that's unnecessary. It does affect people's health and. And, and people need to be aware of that. But I'm sure the HF don't particularly care um, when they um, set their flares off. Indeed. And I also wanted to make a point of saying um, I'm looking at two separate feeds. I'm aware that there's over 100 people watching this live on, in your living room on a Sunday evening. And you've given up on back-to-back defeats, OK? Uh, one out of the cup, one in the league, and one of them a very heavy defeat. Thank you to each and every one of you, wherever you're watching in the world. The stupid thing is that one of the feeds I'm looking at is actually showing there's five people watching, but I'm aware there's in excess of over 100 of you watching us live. So thank you. I can't see your names because I say the, the feed. I can see Trees is out there, Mark is out there, Steve... Steve Chalmers out there, but I've got nobody else in this particular Facebook thing. user. <laughs> yeah, Facebook user. That's probably Andrew Adams, mate. He always starts the show off as a Facebook user. You can probably see more of them than I can. So where should we kick off, boys? Who wants to... So we, we departed once again from the FA Cup. Um, you would think that uh, with this being the last season, and we know that it will be the last season, our current manager has an opportunity to win any sort of silverware, that we will go hell for leather and absolutely back the cup. And I was quite... So, Nigel, have you got the line-up there for the Everton game, please? Yeah, I was quite surprised with the quality of the... Uh, with the, with the lineup, and you know, was, I thought he was actually going to go with a much weaker lineup than that. Uh, Henderson, Klein, Gehe, Anderson, Mitchell, Richards, who I want to talk to you about in great detail on the second half of this, uh, Lerma, uh, Franca, Eze, Schlupp, and Meteta. Thank you, mate. Um, 
And no, that's the I was going to say that. That's the well, replay. Uh, that's the replay. And Johnson, Klein. Yeah, I was going to say I don't know what he's doing there. Well, there you go. He's, that's the lineup. That's the lineup. So Klein, Anderson, Gehi, Mitchell, Lerma, Richards, Eze, Hugh, Schlappman, Edward. Okay. Um, so who wants to say a few words about the Everton game and we'll just cover it off and touch base on it because we obviously got much more. I'll, I'll kick it off. I think that the home game on the 4th of January, um, well, it, it kicked off the third round, didn't it? It was the first tie. It was televised. Uh, it was the kind of evening where probably neither club wanted it played that that night um, when, you know, they would have preferred a, a Saturday afternoon, maybe. Um, Everton travelled in their numbers uh, to Sellhurst. And uh, I think it was a reasonable crowd. I didn't go. I wasn't well. Um, but I think it was a reasonable crowd uh, and a good atmosphere. And as we've seen already, you know, a strong lineup. In fact, Everton as well selected a strong lineup. Um, so both teams sort of set their stall out to want to, to win the tie. Um, yeah, OK, it was goalless. Um, the stats are fairly even there, as you can see. Nothing between the sides whatsoever. Um, there was the incident, of course, with the sending off in the second period, which gave us a, a modest advantage for about 10 minutes. Um, red card subsequently overturned, rightly so, in my opinion. Um, I never thought it was a red. Um, and this is one of the rules about the FA Cup, which I really do not understand at all, is that how you can have VAR in some games and not in others in the same competition just seems ridiculous. And that was our chance, really, our best chance, our best opportunity to go through. And I don't think we did enough in that game offensively to uh, to have, have won the tie. And it was proven with, with the goalless draw, the result. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that there and see if anyone else wants to come in before we talk about the replay. But it was a dire game, wasn't it? I mean, it was... Um, all, as you, and you rightly alluded to the fact that Everton travelled in their numbers, Ian. Um, I felt for them because, it, A, it was a foul night, an awful night at Sellers Park. The game was as crap as the weather was. Okay, both teams played appallingly. There was, it was there was nothing in that game, and then they had a six-hour journey down, uh, coupled with that weather, and then a six journey, six-hour journey back again. It was bloody awful. Joe, you got anything you want to add to the first game? Um, did he take Eze off? Didn't he? In the replay. In the re that was in the replay, mate. Okay. There's in a replay, yeah. I just um, want to say about the the red card. Um, I think it was a it was, it was a bad tackle. It wasn't a red card. What the referee should have done at the time was just yellow card him and then just carried on. The fact that he didn't, he let play carry on, meant VAR had to go back and look at it. And then, of course, they're talking in his ear and saying, "Well, oh, you've got to have a look at this." And I think he's made this decision even before he goes to the monitor. He knows he's going to give him a red card, which is the wrong yeah, decision. But, but as, as we all know, you can be Darren England and completely ignore the people that stop me back. He's not just done it once; he's done it twice to us. So, but that's what I'm saying. So if he, but but if, he, if he didn't think, if he if, if he if he the, the thing is, I think there's five people at Stubbley Park that are giving an opinion. And generally, five against one, you know, I think that's why most of them don't get overturned. Um, but the, but the, yeah, other thing, I, Joe, the other thing is that, the other thing is with these VAR decisions is that they, 
they watch it back from several different angles in slow motion, you know, at, at Stockley Park. And then when the referees asked to look at the monitor, they watch it in slow motion. Now, things always look worse in slow motion. Yeah, I agree. Violent challenge. You know, yes, he was a bit over the top. He showed his studs, but he wasn't violent. He didn't hurt the player. At the time, in real time, the referee, as Ferg says, doesn't even book him. So how can it be read? You know, I just think it was a poor decision. And I think, you know, the ultimately, they got it right because they yeah, they appealed and they overturned it. So, you know. But saying that, didn't, didn't Klein have to be substituted subsequent, yeah. subsequent because of that? Because he did, he did catch him. I mean, it, it, it's not yeah. one of those ones where where you where you where they get out of the way, go up in the air, die for, or look like they're dying for fifteen seconds, and then someone gets a yellow or a red, and then they get back up. They're the ones that should be rescinded. Those cards. But, <laughs> yes. I mean, for me, you, you it, it but it is. It could have been. A, it could have been a yellow. It could have been a red. I mean, you know, it's everything is down to interpretation, but. Uh, I mean, that was that was his first. I was we talking about it's the next day, Nick, weren't we? It was his first ever red card as well. Um, so, but I know yeah, everyone said that he he actually isn't that kind of player. He's committed. Um, I mean, that'd, that'd be lovely to see some of that players do you know go in like that. I think, so, I think the refs just need to be stronger. They just need to say, "I made non-field decision. I'll check it. I'm going to stick my non-field decision if I'm not persuaded otherwise." The Liverpool one, typical. Hughes fouls the Liverpool player. The ref actually puts his arms up. He actually makes an on-field decision. Play on. He's seen it. He doesn't believe it's a foul. We get the penalty. He goes back to VAR and someone who stopped the part tells him you've got to overrule the penalty. It's a foul on Hughes. He'd already made an on-field decision. What he should have said was, I made that decision. It's the right one. Uh, in play, it's a penalty. But you can't have hundreds of thousands of scousers crying after. <laughs> that's, that's what they, can, they can cope with a few Palace fans moaning on a on a podcast, but they can't cope with the, the you know the, the the literal outcry from Merseyside. So, indeed, right. I'm going to hold it there just for a minute, boys, because we'll move on to the replay. Uh, before we do, a little bit of self indulgence, if you don't mind. I was coming on to this when I was talking about Holly. Um, yeah, so thank you for everybody that contributed, but. We ain't done there yet, okay? Um, I want to talk about my son. Forgive me, okay? Forgive me if you don't mind. My son, Sam, 24-year-old, currently suffering himself with an ankle injury, is actually doing the London Marathon, okay? He's in training for the hey. London Marathon. Uh, and he's he's doing it for Mencap, okay, on behalf of Mencap. He's currently a little bit short on his uh, minimum requirement. Can you believe Mencap put a minimum requirement of what they want? On your screen there, ladies and gentlemen, Here's another one of uh, Nigel's QR codes. If you get your device, grab your device, take a picture of that. That will take you straight to Sam's uh, not, uh, Just Giving page. Or actually, it's not a Just Giving page. It's a direct feed to MenCap itself, okay? And Sam's details about his uh, proposed run uh, in the London Marathon is on there. If you feel the need, if you feel the want, if you feel kindness in your heart, just drop them a few quid and uh, wish him luck. On behalf of the same, you got the message from the Red and Blue Review, so he knows that I've done this, okay? <laughs> and, I, and I would be very grateful because I just want to give him a little bit of support. He's, I, he was out last night. He came back hobbling with a bloody ankle injury, and he's gone back out again today when he probably shouldn't have done it, if I'm brutally honest with you. But he's still he's still doing it anyway because he is determined to finish the 28-point, whatever it is, six miles 
or whatever he's got to do. So he's currently upping his training as opposed to taking it a little bit less. Uh, so that's, that's that. So thank you for that. Um, and thank you for the self-indulgence. So we're going to move on, if you don't mind, to the replay on what night was it? Wednesday night, was it? Was it Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday. Again, congratulations and well done to the few hundred that did make that travel. Okay, fair play to Crystal Palace Football Club that did something that I think that it should be more commonplace in the game than it, uh, it currently is. But they gave free travel to the away game, free coach travel. So I know Grant took advantage of it because um, he, he obviously got his ticket. And apart from his ticket, it cost him zero to get up there and back. Albeit, I don't think they got back until something stupid like two o'clock in the morning. So if you made that journey to Goodison Park on Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday evening, congratulations to you, especially after what you had to sit through. Ian, over to you. Yeah, actually, it was four o'clock in the morning. I was talking to Yasmin yesterday. She was there and she's done every game this season. So well done to her. Um, but uh, yeah, four o'clock in the morning. wasn't for me. I decided I wasn't going to go. Um, so I wasn't going, um, it's not on terrestrial TV or Sky or anything. So I thought, am I going to watch this game? Um, Ferg says to me, oh, I've got a stream. He says, uh, I watch every game on streams, come around my place. No problem at all. So I turn up at Ferguson's with a few beers yeah. on Wednesday night and we sit down and he goes through all these channels, all Australian, Russian, American, you name it. Uh, can we find a channel? Not in your life. So we ended up listening to it on my phone on BBC Radio London commentary, watching, uh, without the sound, uh, Blackpool versus Nottingham Forest. So, um, Ferg, thanks for your hospitality on Wednesday night, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's not every game I watch, Alice. I do go to the games. But the ones yeah, I yeah, can't, yeah, yeah I've watched. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Ian. Yeah. Never mind. So, do you want me to talk about the game? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Listen, I didn't see it. I, th I think I would sum it up by saying it was decided by a moment of brilliance um, that that won the game. You know, the goal was, you know, a quality free kick. That said, I think our wall could and should have done an awful lot better. Um, I think that's a really good image. You can see Richards is getting up there, um, whereas the other two on the right, just aren't jumping quick enough. And if they do jump, they probably stop it. So um, we were set up and we didn't defend that that as well as we could and should have done. But it was still, nevertheless, a very, very good free kick. Uh, and so you've got to give the Everton lad the credit for that. Now, we did create chances. There were some big chances in that game. Um, I think um, certainly Mateta had one. Um, somebody helped me out in terms it of... Was, uh, yeah. Edward, 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 um, and, and, you know, Eze was on his game. Now, Eze, Eze got taken off after 64 minutes, as did both full-backs. We set up with three at the back and then the, the wing-backs as well. Uh, and, of course, Roy's got one eye on Arsenal, um, you know, one nil down, which disappointed a lot of fans. I think the, the travelling faithful, the 500 or so that were there, were very disappointed that Eze was taken off um, on just over the hour mark. Um, and yeah, the lads that did come on, five subs were made. Um, the lads that did come on did play quite well, apparently, uh, and um, were a bit unlucky not to get something. But in a way, I, I don't know, it was a strange feeling. I don't know if anyone else felt like this. It didn't particularly bother me that we went out of the cup. You know, I know I, I should do, but it didn't I particularly bother me. 
I woke up the next morning. I thought, right, we're out of the cup. Okay. Yeah. But I expect, but I expected it to do. Basically, I don't know if any of you uh, saw on Twitter that I keep getting every time we play Everton, I'm getting contacted by the, um, one of their podcasts. Okay, and they asked me to do a clip to go on onto their do a 30 minute video as to my thoughts. I recorded that at half past four in the morning or the morning of the game because I was going to work. Um, and I'd actually said on there, uh, what happened is I wish you luck for the uh, rest of the tournament and I wish you, wish you luck for the rest of the season But because you will win 1-0, is what I said, basically, top of bottom of it. I said because there was a certain amount of apathy amongst the, fa the fan base that uh, the manager wasn't going to put a strong enough team out. Um, I think, the in, in going back to your point about Eze coming off on the 60-odd minute or whatever it was, um, the manager did try and clarify that a little bit is the fact that he's coming back from a long-term injury uh, and he was also, and Gels about to throw into his bucket there, uh, and he's, so he was semi-protecting him from that long-term injury and Gels going to say, well, he's fit enough to play, he's fit enough to play, but he was also trying to, I think he had one foot, as you quite rightly said, in look, looking forward to the Emirates without Elise and Eze on the pitch. On yesterday would have been a bit horrific. Joe, did you want to say? Do you want to make a point? No, not really. I just—I mean, you just said it. I—I I, I always think that you should, you should and, and you know should play your best team. Um, we've had a lack of games in in recent times, um, and and again, if you're fit enough for the bench, fit enough to play the whole game. I just I, I just don't get it. The only way that I, that I have, I think I could ever. Um, look at, at someone being a 30 or 40 minute player well 30 minute player would be if they were in their late 30s as simple as that they're professional athletes get tens of thousands of people uh, people pounds and, uh, uh, to, to do something that we would that we most of us would do for nothing you know um I, I just it just it just stresses me and and you know protecting players for a game that most of us, I mean, you know, most of us, would, if you'd have looked at it in a cold light of day, knew we were going to get our backside handed to us. You know, we, we very, very rarely go to the Emirates and, and do do well. There's always goals, generally. It's always loads for them. So, Right. Thank you, mate. Fergan and Ian. Um, yeah, I was, I was just a little bit frustrated. I think after the first game, they kind of owed it to us to go up there and and actually try and win, but it just felt like we, we did have chances, but it was it was like apathy. It was like we're just going through the motions, and you know, there was no real, you know, we really need to win this. But it just seemed a bit flat. And and what's more frustrating is he makes the substitutions at the end, so he's almost giving up, and it's only one nil to protect players for the Arsenal game, and then we go and capitulate. We do against Arsenal Saturday. Great point. Great point. We'll come to that. But that's a different conversation, isn't it? it you know. Yeah, I, but, but but it would have been it would have been a win at Everton. I think confidence-wise for the players and the fans, you know, it would have instilled a little bit of confidence. And yet, I uh, think we all knew deep yeah. down that we weren't going to win that. We weren't going to put the effort in. The cup was going to come to an end. Well, you know, and I, we were going to lose I don't think there was a lack of effort necessarily. You know, I, uh, it's difficult for me because I haven't seen the game, I haven't watched it, which is really unusual. 
But from what I've read uh, and, the, and the clips I have seen, I don't think there was a particular lack of effort. I think they, they they did their best, but they just didn't have enough against, you know, a decent Everton side who were playing at home with a home crowd and all the rest of it. Um, and, yeah, and towards the end with the five changes, it wasn't our strongest 11. You know, there, there, were, there, were, there were changes and people that haven't had many minutes that were on the pitch. Um, when I say effort, Ian, I'm not talking about players. I'm talking about management. I'll fire on that. Keep your powder dry, boys. I'm coming to that, OK? Jill. I'll, I'll tell you what annoys me. Every time I hear... But you've already said that Roy's alluded that he wanted to protect Eze. But look, protects our best players. Do what Liverpool do. Bring seven of the kids, but seven of the youngsters. If you're really, really not interested, you're only interested in staying in the league, which is pretty much his priority, 99% of his priority, then make it obvious to us. Don't lure us and put out what looks like a really strong size and then and then literally roll over. That's Roy Ball. We've had years of that. And that's and that, that binned him off last time. Play the kids. You know, he doesn't... I know he doesn't like... But don't even do what Klopp used to do. Don't even turn up. Get Paddy McCarthy to do it. Seriously. No one's going to go mad. I, I, I reckon half the fan base... I'll tell you what. I reckon all of those people, most of those people would have gone up there if it was... Half of the 21, 24, whatever, half, half of six young players being given a choice, they still would have gone to that game. I, I, just, I just get, you know, if, if that's what we are, we are literally one or two games in the cup. Look what, the, what, look what happens to the, to the club when we get, when we do go on a cup run. Look what happens to people, how does people like Paul Bristow, who spends God knows how much every and goes out. Maybe not spends, but travels and people that come over from Ireland and other people that travel from Canada for games, and then they get treated to 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 abject performances. I, and any time we have used to, anytime, but any time we used to have people in the club that used to go go in there and try and have a run with the players, what happens now? The club get rid of them. There's no one there to kick them out the backside anymore. Jill, I don't think the fan base that travelled would have been happy if half that team had been under 21 players. I really don't. I think the the, t the people that travelled, uh, and fair play to them, you know, expect to see our best side, maybe with one or two exceptions. And they expect us to give it a go. And look, you could argue that we did give it a go because we lost 1-0 to an exceptional goal. Uh, and we had chances that we didn't take. But nevertheless, the, the outcome is still the same. We're out. So, you know, I'm not saying I don't care about the FA Cup. I do care about it. All I'm saying, and someone sort of had a comment in the chat. I can't remember it was now. I saw it go through saying, how can you not care about the Cup? I do care about it. I just didn't feel on Wednesday night any different, the fact that we'd gone out. I, I was sort of, I felt fairly ambivalent, I suppose, about the whole process. So it's conditioning for the last five, six years, though, isn't it? Gone out in the third round, fourth round. Who cares? That's it. That's what they. That's what the club's doing to us. It's what we need to do. We, when we come on to the to the feeling about the club and everything, that's that's. I think which we're going to do. Which we're going to do right now. And I do want to point out, uh, you guys were talking about the possibility of playing extra youngsters. Uh, somebody, I think Tom mentioned in the chat, and please follow Tom on the our Instagram account, guys. He was talking about uh, young Marsh who scored something like four or five different hat tricks so far this season. 
for the kids. Yeah. Okay, they're playing really well. Well, he couldn't have played the kids on Wednesday night. Oh, there it is. Red and blue, red underscore, blue underscore uh, review. Follow us on Instagram, guys. He does a cracking job on there. Uh, he couldn't have played the kids on Wednesday night anyway because with the under 21s out of game that day. So he, he couldn't have played them that day. Anyway, let's move on because we've got lots more I want to get cover off on. You know, so we've got out the cup. So that's both cups we're out of now and we're fighting for our life, fighting for God knows what in the Premier League. Uh, Palace have now won just one of their past 11 Premier League games in their, posi- uh, in their position in the table. is looking increasingly precarious. They are 14th, five points above the relegation zone, but having played more games than Luton in 18th. The visiting fans made their frustrations known towards the end of the game as they displayed a banner saying, wasted potential on and off the pitch, weak decisions taking us backwards. And there it is. Okay, so we're going to cover that off shortly. But uh, first of all, Ian will talk us through the goals very briefly and then we'll come on to the cancer in the club. Yeah, okay. So, um, you know, full of optimism, really, to some extent. You know, it's a good lineup. Um, two changes, I think, from the for the Everton starting eleven, Henderson starting goal. Um, there's a debate there, of course, who's our, our best goalkeeper. Uh, and Matessa comes back into the starting lineup, um, but it's sort of as expected. Um, as I said in my my TNT interview uh, before the game, three international centre backs um, lining up in the same Crystal Palace eleven. Can't remember when that's happened uh, too often. And, um, you know, we're, we're up against an Arsenal team that have had a week in the sunshine to prepare for this. And we've had that trip to Everton and we've already said it knocked our confidence because we lost the game. So h- hardly the ideal preparation. Um, clearly, they had a better opportunity to prepare than we did. Um, and, you know, they are a good side. They're not in, you know, the league doesn't lie. They're, they're, they're decent. And... Towards the end of the game, if you looked at their bench, you know, they brought off their bench and the impact those players had on the game as well. You can tell that it's not just the starting eleven, but the, the strength in depth as well. Um, disappointing, of course, to go 1-0 down so early in the game. What was it 10, 11 minutes? And it was a set piece that undid us. Um, there was a, an element of, you know, did he did he foul in, in, in the... In the as he got his header in? I don't think so. I think it was a, a good goal. Um, and then we sort of ran it a bit, you know, we, we it was 1-0 for a long period of time and we had a few chances of our own. Um, Lerma had a decent shot. I think he hurt himself in the process, but he had a decent shot uh, that, that Raya saved. And, you know, we sort of huffed and puffed a bit. But typically, Arsenal had the ball and we were happy to let them have the ball. And if you look at the analysis of it, really, they had too much space. They had too much time to pass, pick their passes, pick players out of five at the back patently wasn't working because we were getting overrun in midfield. Uh, they had other corners that, you know, um, before they scored a second goal, of course, you know, one hit the, hit the woodwork and, and it was close. Um, and then they had the second goal, which I'm quite surprised went down as a Henderson own goal because Gabriel got his head to it. And um, it was, I think it was going in, but, but some reason came off Henderson and it went down as an own goal. And we go in 2-0 down at half time. And we think, you know, this is fairly typical. You know, if we finish a 2-0 defeat, you know, it's probably not going to be too bad. But 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 that's how he went in at the break. Nick, you're muted at the moment. Yeah, I wanted to... The first two goals... Um, Joe, I know you're going to be talking about 
goalkeeper Henderson later on. Okay, now I will give you the opportunity to do so. But boys, I would like to ask your opinion on the defending of both those set pieces. Okay, bear in mind we haven't scored off a corner all year. Well, if we can't score off a corner, surely we know how to defend off a corner. Um, to me, uh, we had two weaknesses in our team. Okay, yesterday. Joe uh, was going to talk about one of them later on. I know he is because he, he mentioned it to me on the phone earlier. Uh, the other one to me yesterday was um, Richards. I thought Chris Richards had a poor game. He's uh, He was responsible for both of those goals that Ian's just talked about. Uh, the second one, which was worse than the first one, I'm actually talking Sam through what happened in the first goal as he took the corner for the second goal. I said, watch, he's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. And he, guess what? He did it again. He just followed uh, Gabriel round. Okay. He's, Gabriel's going round in circles, uh, trying to avoid Richards. And Richards had made no attempt to get anywhere near the ball, ball on both occasions. It was abject defending by Richards. And I think yesterday we saw his weaknesses, if I'm brutally honest. I, mean, I know you've been an advocate of his Ian over the course of time. Gerald said, get him on the pitch. I thought he was pretty poor yesterday. Any, anybody want to argue with me? Jill, go. Yeah, I mean, it's something got... So I'm just... I mean, while, I'm, while you're saying that, I'm, I'm watching the goals game. So the first goal, he got, he got, a, he got the jump. Uh, Gabriel got the jump on him. Um, and the way that he got the jump on him, he hung... Made it impossible for him to uh, to to get up. That was it. He couldn't get off the floor. Um, the second one, he outmuscled him at the far post. Um, so, but, I mean, so so he had one bad game. You're going to absolutely cane him for having a bad game. He's played really, really well this season. Wherever he's been put, right back in the centre, centre back in, in midfield. I, I mean, he's just become a, he's just become the modern ward where Wall can play virtually anywhere for us. And that's what they're doing with Richards. They're hanging him out of drugs. It's just It's typical Palace. You have a player who, who is pretty decent at the back. Um, and then when, <laughs> and when we need him to play at the back, I'm playing yeah, at the back. But he had his worst game. So. Well, yeah, but um, a lot of people did worst games. We lost 5-0. I, I think what you've got to remember is we bought him as a centre-back. We played him defensive midfield for a big chunk of the season and then we're sticking back at centre-back away at Arsenal and he needs to find his feet again and I think he just struggled yesterday you know he he looked uncomfortable he's trying to get back into his stride as a centre-back um, and and it just told the first goal I think was a decent goal I think the second one uh, they obstructed the goalkeeper now how on earth was that not given how was yeah, that, was I, that not, we don't make enough fuss about stuff like that they did the complain is, to be fair they did complain but it was it was fell on deaf ears didn't it well it, it was checked by VAR which makes it worse I think and and they said no the goal's good now he obstructed the goalkeeper he was he made no attempt to play the ball he pushed his back into the keeper obstructed him I think that's a free kick there's probably um, I mean Paul Bristow might have an opinion on that I know it's an extra ref but for me, I thought that should have been a foul. Um, and it's been, yeah, it should have been a free kick to us. But um, frustrating. Have you, have you seen the way that they dealt with Anderson at any set pieces? Yeah. They literally stood, stood him behind and then and just fell into him. 
Like, they, I mean, I had it freeze frame just a minute ago. He, they just fell into him, and it stops him from doing anything. And then, if, and then of course, if, if it's the other way round, we score, they get a free kick because their player's falling over. Okay, what you've just done, Joe, is you've just walked me straight into my point. Okay, and my point is, and thank you, Dawn Palace, you're the only one out there that's actually come up with the same thing. Who puts Gabriel, who put Richards on Gabriel? Okay, you could, you could argue for the first goal, perhaps it could have been different, but it wasn't. But to allow it to happen again, whatever it was, six minutes later for the second goal, who put uh, Richards again on Gabriel when it should have been the player that Gilles just alluded to. Now, in my opinion, okay, Ian, I know we're going to cover the rest of the game quickly, okay? Uh, my opinion, that is the absolute archetypal lack of leadership on the pitch, okay? We don't have that leader. It should have been one of the centre-backs, okay, and I'm talking about Gihi or Anderson saying, oi, oi, we saw what happened in the first goal. Don't let's happen again. I'll take him this time, okay? You cover whatever he was trying to do, okay? To me, that's lack of leadership. Any thoughts? I don't think they've got... There's no nous there at all to do that. They haven't got the remit to do that at all. Um, they've got their jobs to do. But, you know, clearly it, it, it was a complete mismatch, wasn't it? Gabrielle on Richards, you know, yeah. both time. Complete mismatch. But Jill hit on the point of they stopped Anderson getting involved and they covered this on match of the day. Trossard just blocked him for the first one. He would have got his head on something, but he, he couldn't move because Trossard just stood in his way. And and it, it wasn't necessarily a foul, but you know he, they got away with it, and it was all part of their set piece. They worked on this; they really had. So you know maybe we were just outfoxed, outdone by you know um, better tacticians on the day in terms of their corners. Um, but they had the majority of the ball; they had the ball in the final third more. Therefore, they probably deserved to score the goals, you know. And they could have argued they they could have gone in more than two 0 at half time, the chances they created. But uh, and we did block a few. There was one occasion when I think it was Richards. It could have gone anywhere, and it, and it sort of ricocheted off him and went over the bar. But it, it could have gone in easily. So you know, to some extent, we were fortunate to go in at just two nil down at half time. I, I think as well corners. If you watch us um, have a corner, none of our players spin off, make runs, and and cause chaos. But look at Arsenal and look at the way that their players are, are literally, some of them are running 20 yards in curves to get to different. And that's, what's, that's what does it. It's, it's having a bit of tactical nous or surprise or planning. Just being, they were just basically more tactical. I mean, we can, I mean it's good. the thing against Arsenal, the thing with us and Arsenal goes back years and years of the time at Sellers Park when Merson peeled off the end of our wall and uh, and then and then not one you know it, they always seem to have something up their up their sleeve for us. Um but yeah I just thought we were we were out muscles. They were just more clever. They were clever, they were stronger, they were they were quicker. They just everything and, and nothing should you know, when you when you're trying, and I'm, I know we're going to come. To, I'll preempt it, but I mean, when you're going to come up against Marcinelli versus Tompkins, you, I mean, I mean, I'm not. I'm just saying, you know, I'm I'm 19 stone. You might as well put me down. I, I, you know, it's just it's, it's the biggest. It's a, it's a mismatch. It's a mismatch. Could have, I would have had, people would have preferred my cat to have been there. 
Because I had a gun. Oh, anyway. look. You said a gun. Oh, he's got a gun. That's what I'm saying. Let's come to that. Let's come to that. Let's talk about the second half then. Yeah. You know, came out the second half. Um, it started in a very similar vein to the first. It was all last, all down the other end. And we, we I said to, to Paul Gear, um, we, we're not going to get see much of the ball up this end second half, are we? Really, we're not. But we did get the ball forward a few times and we won a corner. And that and caused a few problems. Every time we got the ball, he looked half dangerous, but he had no outlet. You know, he really had no outlet. He had nobody to pass it to. And when he did, Matessa was falling over his shoelaces and all the rest of it. So, you know, it, it was difficult. But but as a he did win a free kick on the edge of the box, um, which was saved, well saved. It was straight down the throat of the goalkeeper, but that was good. But the corner that led to their third goal, which was the killer goal, really. You know, I mean, at 2-0, there's still sort of half a chance or less than half a chance of getting back into it. But 3-0 game over, in my view. It's our corner. Um, ball bobs about a bit. Gets put back in. Raya catches it. My goodness me. What brilliant distribution from the goalkeeper to set Jesus or Jesus away on the right-hand side. And it's 2v2. And literally, we had no chance at all. And they checked for offside for ages. And I'm praying, oh, let's hope it's offside. But it wasn't offside. It was a very, very good ball into the middle. Trossard put Klein on his backside and he had just the keeper to beat. It was a great finish and a very, very good counter-attacking goal. And you've got to give him credit for that. So that's on the hour mark. It's 3-0. And the game is over at that point. Let's be clear about it. We huffed and puffed a little bit afterwards, but we had no real chance of, of getting back into it at all. Now, coming to the end of the game, you know, they've made their substitutions, Arsenal, and they bring... Gabriel Martinelli on, who's played a lot of football for Arsenal, quality left winger. And they put him through, split off defence open, not once, but twice in stoppage time. Plain embarrassing. You know, once is sort of unforgivable. Two, you just can't believe. I could not believe I'd seen it again on the 95th minute. And each time he, he kept his cool and, and picked his spot nicely past Henderson, who had no chance at all. Uh, and we were just outdone because we were knackered and they had fresh legs and and they were better than us at the end of the day. But 5-0, you could argue, flattered them a little bit. But 5-0, 3-0, it makes no odds, really, uh, at the end of the day. got no points and we go um, empty-handed and it's a similar kind of result. So, um, yeah, we're just going to move on, really. Dust ourselves down and move on. Sheffield United now, we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. But is now massive, and um, we've got to turn our attention towards that. Indeed. Right. Also, a couple of things I want to pick up on. Uh, There's the match stats. Uh, obviously, also had the majority of that. You know what? I'm surprised we had as many corners as we did. Shots on target, I'm surprised we had as many as those as we did. Anyway, we'll move on from that. I want to pick up on something you said during that, Ian. Uh, you said that 3-0, uh, the game was over. Not according to your manager. Yeah. What you just said, Ian, is a complete load of rubbish, according to our manager. Our manager said in his post-match interviews, okay, and this is how deluded the bloke has got, okay, at 3 nil down, we were still in the game, is what the clown said. Okay, And I'm not being disrespectful about his age or anything like that, but this is just another one, another one of a series of things that he said post-match interviews, blaming the kids. It gets to the point where you actually wonder... I can't say it because I don't want to be disrespectful. He was talking rubbish. Ferg, go. No, I was just going to say with with Roy, I think a lot of his pre-match uh, interviews, he used the word hope 
and and that concerns me because that almost makes me feel like he doesn't have confidence in the team, and he's not he's not preparing the team in the right way to win the game because he's saying, "Oh well, I hope we do this and I hope we do that," or "I'm planning to nullify Arsenal." No, don't nullify Arsenal. Just go out, play your own game. Attack is the best form of defence. Just you know, do what you did back end of last season. But he's not. He's he's setting the team up to to defend a one or a two or three nil loss. Yesterday, uh, Saturday, yeah, yesterday he um was three nil down. He um I, I know Mark Gee had to come off because he was I think he was carrying an injury. But he put Chris Richards at right back, didn't he? And then Tompkins at centre back on that right hand side. And Arsenal must have just been rubbing their hands because they're like, oh, Martinelli's on that side. They've got two of their <laughs> two of their weaker players on that left hand of our right hand side, their left attacking. And they just exploited it. You know, it's the same sort of attack, you know, and Martinelli, it was just too easy for them. Mm. Far, far too easy. It was just it was terrible tactics. Terrible oh, tactics. I've just been sent a, a tweet from somebody saying that apparently Crystal Palace are the only team in the Premier League this year that hasn't started one of their under-21 players. Uh, Real panel, I know you're there. Uh, Paul Bristol, I know you're there. Is that accurate? Uh, are we the only team in the Premier League that hasn't started one of their under-21 squad? Um, uh, remiss of me at the top of the show. Oh, by the way, I actually left the stadium yesterday feeling very spoiled. Oh, no, that's another one of his stupid comments, wasn't it? Um so we're going to draw a line on it there. We've got stuffed, okay? That's the top and bottom mm. of it, okay? At the top of the show, I should have mentioned Nigel Mel Blythe, please, okay? Uh, very sad news. It was announced by his family this week, the sad passing of Mel Blythe. Um, he was a great servant for the club. I think he actually, he was with the club twice, if, if my memory serves me right. Um, but it is the sad news that Mel Blythe has uh, finally, sadly left us. Uh, condolences to his uh, family and friends from everybody at Red and Blue Review. So uh, thank you for reminding me, Nigel. I appreciate that. Uh, okay, so we're going to go on to the obvious subject, the topic of conversation next. Adrian Marchbank. Adrian Marchbank. I can see you've been very prolific in the chat this evening. Good evening and thank you for joining us on the Red and Blue Review. And I appreciate your point of view and I appreciate your comments. But one of your comments earlier on, okay, and I've made a note of it here because I wanted to refer to it when we start this segment, okay? One of your comments was, uh, please not Potter. Now, Adrian, I know you're there because you literally just messaged about something else a minute ago. Do me a favour. I would like you to clarify as to why not Graham Potter. Now, we're all aware that Graham Potter was in the stadium yesterday. Uh, there must be a reason for it, okay? Uh, my understanding was Cooper was already also there. There's Mr. Potter right there making notes. What was he making notes on? Uh, why has his child not got a coat on in freezing cold weather? Maybe, <laughs> maybe like, well, well, none of them, he's got a bobble hat on and none of the other two got bobble hats on. Okay, maybe it was that. That's what he's making notes about. Um, I also, does anybody, can anybody confirm for me out in Facebook land, uh, Twitter land, anybody out there, uh, did anybody actually see Cooper at the ground? Because the rumour in the ground was not Potter was there and Cooper was there. Uh, be very interesting if that was the case. But if it's not the case, if nobody can confirm that they actually saw Potter on the telly or anything like that, why would Mr. Sorry, uh, Cooper was there? Why was Mr. Potter there? Why would Mr. Potter be at a Palace Arsenal game uh, watching us get a trouncing. Um, Ian, an Arsenal fan, apparently, Nick. 
Is he? Yeah. I think, is that right? I think, I think so. I think so. Hmm. What did you I say, Phil? Sorry, I missed it. He said he's an Arsenal fan. He's an Arsenal fan. If that's true, he would have to declare that. Like referees have to declare teams that they support, so they never get a chance to referee them. So he, no, he, he, I mean, yeah, I know, but 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 Potter would have to declare publicly declare that um, because otherwise he could. I mean, he could just be accused of, of throwing games against Arsenal. It, it, you know, he, I've I've never heard that he's an Arsenal fan, but you never you never know. Look on his Wikipedia; someone would have filled it out. Okay, I mean, well, yeah, whether, whatever reason he was there for. Um, I quite like the idea of of Potter being Crystal Palace manager. I think he did a great, cracking job at Brighton. Um, clearly, Chelsea maybe was a, a bridge too far for him in terms of the size of the club and the expectations, but he's got Premier League experience. Um, I, I, for one, wouldn't be sad to see him. I wouldn't hate it at all if he, he became Crystal Palace manager. Yeah, it, go on, Joe. I, I, if we had a choice of, of they were the two, um, because we're obviously not going to get, uh, I mean, I know he's just left Milan, but we're, we're not going to get Mourinho, even though he's been very, very complimentary about us in the past. Um, he is a big club manager and we aren't a big club. So, um, but I, I, I mean, the Potter or Cooper, I, again, we had this conversation Nick, and it, I, I can't see, I can't see the, the lure, I, I can't see. The, the, the Cooper thing, I, I don't get it. I, I, I literally don't get it. Um, if, if he, you know, if he, he had 15 years experience or if he was a, if he was Sam Allardyce or Pulis, but he's not. So, um, but I mean, for me, and, and, and I'm not going to even going to go down the road of he was Brighton manager. I'm not even interested in that. Exactly. He has, like you say, the necessary experience and, I think you know, I, I think as well that I, I, I hope I'm, I really hope I'm wrong. And, and, and I know someone will just go, oh, yeah, well, I had all the utmost respect. And, but when, when your back's against the wall at a football club, it doesn't matter whether you're 76 or 56, you're going to get, you're going to lose the players. And, and our players are, I think, are literally, I think, I mean, if they haven't already capitulated, I think they're one game away from capitulating. And that would be really dangerous for us because then it would almost be, we'd have to be looking at, you know, getting rescued by someone like Allardyce. So I think if we're going to do it, we need to do it really, really quickly. Um and Potter, for me, does seem to be the, the, the most, the, the, the one that's, if he is available, um, that, that I would that I would have without a doubt. Okay, thank you. So, uh, Fergal, Fergal, I'm coming to you now. Okay, but before I do, uh, Adrian, you've come back with uh, two comments since I asked you the question. And one of them, you said, uh, what can Potter add to us? Thank you. Okay, and, is, and then you said, Cooper is a better fit. Clarify both, please, okay? Because I'm genuinely, genuinely, I think you're making some good, great points, but I'm genuinely interested to know your thought process. Just chucking out uh, what can you add to us. You're asking us a question after we've just asked you a question. Come on, give me, put some meat on the bone, please. I really would genuinely like to know what uh, your angle is and why you think uh, Cooper is a better fit than Potter. Ferg? I was going to say, just Joe's comment about 
players capitulate. And I think at the end of the Arsenal game, Anderson and Eze came over to the fans, didn't they? Um, I think that's a, a form of apologising almost. And um, I think it was quite a bit of abuse held at Anderson and he, the way he reacted. You know, was, I think he used a few expletives and kind of waved his hand away at the fans. Eze was sort of, you know, putting his hands up to say, look, you know, we know we've had a bad performance, but it doesn't help really. I think the players, you know, they're obviously really, really low on confidence and we really need to support them, not hurl abuse at them. It's, it's hard though, isn't it? You know, if you if you sat and watched it and you paid your money. I know. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's right at all. Um, but if you're a professional getting paid tens of thousands a week, and you put in a performance like that, you've, you've I've got to expect the abuse. You know, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying I would do it, but it's going to happen because, you know, the guys behind me, blimey, their language was just so choice. I mean, you know, women and children, they just, they shouldn't be going to football listening to that, honestly. And I, I mean, I, just going off a tangent a bit, my missus went to Man United away and some bloke was using the C word and she turned around and had a go at him. He went off at half time to get a point. He never came back. So, uh, so you know, you know, he's, you know, we all swear occasionally at football and we get frustrated. But some of the language here, and you, you think, oh, you know, it's just just not nice. So, you know, as a professional, if you've lost five nil and you've made mistakes, expect the abuse, mate. I think a little bit, and and they've got to be big enough to cope with that. And I think probably they are really. Listen, we've got so much we need to cover. Okay. It's now two minutes and three minutes to nine. And Storm Aisha is trying to get break into my house at the back here. Um, so we're not going to get all this done tonight. Jill, okay, I can see you got your hand up, but I want to ask you a quick question. So answer this, please, with your point. Um is Steve, is Steve Parrish and the board, are they culpable that they haven't yet dismissed Roy Hudson? Yeah, for me, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't. I, 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 our club has changed so much. Um, I, 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 I don't recognize. I don't recognize our club from what it used to be um, twelve years ago. I really don't. From this, from right, right away, from you know, from the flamboyancy of of owners to to the to the family nature of the club. It just we we just seem to be a like literally a, a, a commercial asset to a lot of rich boys from across the pond. Um and Parrish is just I think he's just Steve Parrish is just their mouthpiece. Um and, and and anything else, you know, there's I think there's a power battle that that and unless Texter was a, a squillionaire, a multi, multi, multi billionaire. Then these Americans, if the other two Americans have got us, they've got us by the short and curlies, and and without, without, you know, we there, there is a saying that there's, you know, the, 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 the chiefs and Indians. We seem to have, we seem to have a, a, a lot of chiefs, and I think that we, as a club, maybe we need to cut, go from three or four, or I don't even know how many people own us now. Who, I mean, how many, what percentage people have got? how much say they've got. It's, it's very, very difficult. And, and for me, I think we need one owner um, and, um, and and just start again. Steve Jupp, I hope you're right. It says Roy will be gone tomorrow. I must quickly say hello, Ian. I saw you had your hand up to Quentin Solden. Quentin, welcome aboard, mate. It's good to see you come over from the dark side uh, after listening to the other mobs 
sorry, but you're very welcome. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Ian. Yeah, the, the problem is the, the, the board. You know, I, I said this in my interview yesterday with TNT, that, that, that the Americans just aren't prepared to spend the money on Crystal Palace Football Club. They're the people with, with the millions. Um, we have not got a Tony Bloom at Crystal Palace. And uh, Paris's hands are tied, I believe. I really, that's what I believe. Um, some people are saying it's not the case. You know, he can influence them. I'm not so sure. I think Texter's the man and Harrison Blitz. So I think all three of them probably could invest more in our club on a, on a financial fair play basis to buy the players we really need. And we've talked about this, what we need, uh, but they're just not prepared to put their money where their mouth is. You know, we, we've heard uh, anecdotally maybe that Harrison Blitzer want out and they want to buy into Chelsea or another club. Um, if that's the case, then they probably need to go. But it's a very difficult transaction, I think, moving from one Premier League ownership to another one. So, you know, the problem is the, the board. And until that gets sorted, um, you know, maybe we're always going to have this issue. We're always going to have this problem. You know, we simply have underinvested in this squad and we need to do better in that department. OK, that's great. Thank you, uh, Fergal. I am coming to you right now. Uh, and then, Jill, um, I was going to talk about the transfer window. Let's do it now. We just have. Thank you very much. That's the transfer window done and dusted because it's been a complete load of garbage. Ferg, make, make your point. I was just going to say, I think the owners and maybe Paris are risk averse. You know, they're happy with mediocrity. They're, they're you know, we're, we're not, we're, we're one of the very few teams, it's 80% of the Premier League teams now that are on the threshold of, you know, breaking the PSR profit and stability rules. It, we're in a good place. But there's also... Just say that again, Fergus. Fergus, just say that again. As a club, we're, we're for profit and sustainability, we're, we're one of the best clubs in Is the, the league, in the Premier League. Thank you for that. I, just want, I need you to clarify that. Joe, I'm coming to you. Yes. Uh, a quote it's, from the... Just, uh, go on. So, sorry, Nick. I just, just wanted to say, like, 80% of those clubs are on the threshold. We're in a good place in that Financially, you know, we're, we're, we we could potentially spend if the right players are there in the transfer market. We don't want to go out and just buy anybody. Um, and I think maybe loaning them in until we get a new manager is probably the best approach. Because at the moment, we're close to the end of the transfer window. If you bring a new manager in now, he's got no time. He's going to be stuck with the same position that Roy's got. He's going to have the same squad. No investment. So you probably need to, to balance that out, really. Um, but I, I, I do think there's positives. You know, we have got our academy, Cat One. We have got the infrastructure potentially at the end of the season being built. Um, it's not all doom and gloom for Palace. Thank you, mate, very much indeed. Um, Joe, make it brief, please. We're running out of time. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. So, so if a new manager came in, I think he would look at it that he's got. 50 players to choose from. Roy looks at it that he's only got 16. And week in, week out, seriously, you, you can absolutely guarantee that unless a, unless a player was injured, then he would be the first team, is the first team, and he will not deviate away from that, no matter what. But if someone, but if someone else came in who, who took uh, a, a, a more of a view that we've got a ton of players and a decent academy, 
I mean, there literally must be, I'm not, I'm not just saying this, there must be one, one kid, one youngster, 16, 17-year-old, in our academy, and, it, and if there isn't, we are in a whole heap of trouble, that yeah. after all this time is good enough to sit on that bench. Exactly. We can all turn around and go, no, exactly. no, but you can all turn around and say there's not. But what, so what you just said, we've got a 16, 16, 17-year-old who scored 12 goals in four games. You're not listening to me. You're listening to yourself. I said, Zach Marsh. Yes, we have. Well, that's it. So why, so why isn't he? Why isn't he literally being bought straight in, right? He's on fire. I'm saying play him from the start. I'm saying bring him in, chuck him on the bench. Make him give him a look here. I don't, I just don't get it. Isn't David Ozo that player? Do you know what? David Ozo is a monster. He is going to be a beast. And sometimes you just have have to free the beast. You have to do it. Honestly. Another, Adam Marola, down the left-hand side. And he watched him twice. He just looks like a different animal. You know, right. he can play left back, can play left mid, he can attack, he's a fullback. I, right. I just don't get it. I don't, I don't, we'd rather play someone who, who's 30 years old at left back, a 34-year-old at right back. Okay. Listen, I don't disagree with anything you just said, but we should have booked a two-hour show for this because we haven't scratched the surface. We haven't scratched the surface here. I'm going to read you a quick quote from The Athletic this week, okay? A very good piece. I've only, only two paragraphs. In the last few weeks, boardrooms of several Premier League clubs will have been very nervous places. Charges for breaching profit and sustainability rules were pending with several executives may have feared that their clubs were in breach. One place where there was no sense of panic was Crystal Palace. The club operate on the lowest budget of the established Premier League clubs. Just verifying what Ferg just said. That's why I asked him to clarify it. As a result, a lack of meaningful revenue outside of the broadcast income and have not invested heavily in signings over the last two, two and a half years. So for those of you who are out there thinking we are in, you know, the reason we're not buying any players is because of financial fair play and sustainability rules. It's complete and utter bollocks. We're nowhere near it. We're nowhere near it. Nowhere near it. So do not let the, do not Anything you hear from the board tell you otherwise. We are nowhere near it. There are five clubs closer to uh, financial fair play breaches than we are. Probably more than that, Joe. Very quickly, and I'm going to close. So there's, so there's a couple of points. I mean, that might be what saves us this year. However bad we're going to be and end up being, it might be points deductions because I know Everton might be getting more. Uh, Wolves, Forest, there's a, that, that might be the, 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 the thing for us. I, 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 what worries me more than anything, and again, talked about this today, Nick, is that at the end of this season, the players that have any kind of value in our club, I, 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 I'm sure Elise has already been, you know, is going to Chelsea. I'm sure that, and if he don't go to Chelsea, what probably will go to Man United. And I think Newcastle will, I think they will eventually you know, snap up Anderson, he will want to go and play in front of 50,000 for his last hurrah. Um, and I think we could be four, at least four of our best first-team players. I mean, Gay going is pretty much a given. Anderson going, I think, is a given. Lise going is a given. And probably Eze. Eze's had four years, you know, it'd be the end of four years for us. He's done a sting for us. Um 
And and I think that he'll be looking for broader horizons. Now you take that out, all the club are looking at is two hundred million quid. They're not they're not looking at it from a fan point. We we lose the the spine of our team, um, and all our best players. They just be looking at it, but it's two hundred quid, and then they can build that. You know the the the, the stand or whatever that he's going to. You know they'll pay for half of it, whatever it's going to cost right. these days. I don't know. Okay, but that horrifies Boys. me. That really does. I mean. It's not all doom and gloom. We've still got each other, boys, and we've still got our club to fight. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to have to wrap it up. It's 10 past nine, okay? I could go on. Seriously, I've got so much written down here that I want to talk to you guys about, but we, it's Sunday night, and some of us have got to go to work tomorrow, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we will be back on... When do we say we're going to do it? Wednesday week? Well, you can if you want. We didn't say that, but, you know, go on. if you want to do another show. Oh, there then, you go. But... There it is. Sunday the 4th of February, we'll do a double header. Uh, the Sheffield, what is now a six-pointer, I'm sorry to say it, six-pointer against Sheffield United. And obviously, uh, I'm, I'm going to be going down to the uh, Amex to watch us hopefully put in a performance against Brighton. Okay. <laughs> I am going down there. I am going down there. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Ian, Joe, Ferg, Without you, I can't do this show. Nigel, in the background, you are a superstar. Holly, rest in peace. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night.